This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz, and each week we come to you and bring you the conversations that doctors have in doctor's lounges all across the country. We arm you with the information that you need to fight for your health care freedom. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation sponsors the Doctor's Lounge radio show, the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, is a nonprofit organization. It's the only healthcare think tank in the country that's run by practicing physicians. And so, consequently, we know the issues in healthcare and we help you to navigate these complex issues so that you can fight for your healthcare freedom and preserve the doctor patient relationship. Please go to our website at www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org or d4pcfoundation.org and please, please contribute generously. I'm going to challenge the radio listening audience. Um, this week, we have probably uh, between fifteen and twenty thousand downloads a month of this show, and um, we're getting to the end of the year. And people give charitable contributions to organizations, and Docs for Patient Care Foundation is a charitable organization. You can deduct your your uh, your donations to the organization on your tax returns, and so. For less than the price of a Starbucks coffee every two weeks, I'm going to ask everybody who's listening to this to go to the website right now. And uh, whether you're listening live or you've downloaded this, just go to the website. And if every listener gave just $10, then we would be... um, really hitting uh, one of the benchmark uh, uh, fundraising uh, um, plateaus that we've uh, created. But if you give $25, that would be awesome, or 50 or 100 or 250 or whatever you can give. But this is what we need to really continue to be able to bring f- to you the uh, quality shows that we bring you every week and to do the Uh, events that we do and the work that we're doing so that we can try to um, fight back against the machine and uh, and help preserve health care freedom for all Americans so please please um, rise to that challenge and uh, and just give some pennies every day so that we can uh, continue to do what we're doing Um, today is uh, uh, a interesting day it's the last show before the elections, and we'll talk about uh, some of the issues on the show today. My uh, 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 props, kudos go out to the Chicago Cubs and the Chicago fans. They've they've uh, finally reached the promised land after 108 years of futility, and it was probably one of the best World Series uh, that I can remember in my lifetime, so uh, fantastic for Cubs fans. Today's show, it's a pleasure to have my guest on today, who is a gentleman that I have felt like I've known for a very long time, only because I have so many friends in the great state of Michigan who have worked closely with Senator, State Senator Pat Kolbeck from the 7th State Senate District in Michigan. He... Um, 
He really is a friend to medicine, a friend to doctors, a friend to the freedom movement in Michigan and this country. And uh, it was at our uh, recent Docs for Patient Care uh, funded um, uh, sponsored meeting in Dallas where we uh, had our direct primary care meeting that I finally had the the privilege, the pleasure to uh, personally meet Pat and to uh, sit down and uh, talk with him for a while. And, and I'm delighted to uh, invite him into the doctor's lounge today. Senator Kobeck, welcome. Hey, great. I, I, the feelings are mutual, Hal. I really appreciate it. And it was great being out there in Dallas with a bunch of uh, – Free market healthcare radicals like ourselves. So. <laughs> well, you know, uh, are you, are you a baseball fan, Pat? I haven't been in a long time. I'm one of those guys that prefers playing sports rather than watching them. <laughs> Good for you. Well, that's that's why you probably are in much better shape than I am. But that was just an incredible, incredible if, if world. Round is a good year. shape. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's. Uh, I mean, you can you're running around and you're keeping in good shape, just doing the 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 hard work that you're uh, involved with in Michigan. So before we get into some issues, why don't you um, uh, take a minute and tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Um, well, I, my background is actually aerospace engineering, so me talking about healthcare and me going into uh, elected office is probably a little bit of an aberration, but. Uh, I, uh, I've been doing management consulting, actually, after my engineering career for quite a few years and spent a lot of time on the road. And uh, the stuff that I was seeing happening in government, especially in Michigan, where we were, we were the only state in the last uh, census to actually lose population, not exactly, uh, not exactly something that you can be very proud of. And I said, we've got to fix this. So um, I started looking around and, and trying to find people to go off and help fix it, and then finally... Uh, found myself staring in the mirror after a lot of prayer, decided to go off and run ourselves. So um, I actually came out of the Tea Party. That's where I first got exposed into politics. I had never been engaged prior to 2008 um, in politics at all, besides occasionally listening to a radio show or watching the news. And um, we finally decided that uh, we're going to, I could either keep yelling at the TV and radio or go out and do something about it. And we went out and and did something about it. You know, the Tea Party pretty much created a whole generation of people like yourself who who really got fed up with what was going on and actually energized uh, a, a whole segment of the population. Yeah, it's actually, and, and the, the weird thing is Tea Party kind of gets a bad rap in the media, but when you when I look at the people that I'm surrounded with, it's what we used to call being an American. <laughs> There's <laughs> folks that believe we should follow the Constitution, that we should, you know, not spend more than we take in, that we should just... You know, just uh, be proud of being Americans, and uh, I, I just uh, anyway, it's been that's been one of the more frustrating aspects of uh, of public service. But one of the the shining spots of uh, public service has been to meet folks like yourself and the rest of the folks out at uh, Docs for Patient Care, um, Dr. Uh, Armstrong, Dr. Matt McCord, Dr. Ken Fisher, all these guys, and Dr. Chad Savage, Lee Gross. All you guys are phenomenal heroes for me. And um, I, uh, I actually got interested in healthcare from a f- couple different tracks. First of all, my wife's a pediatrician. So I've seen firsthand the transition from a managed care outfit to a hospital-based system to a private practice and seeing the same pressures for applying to all those practices. And um, my wife's 
um, one of the people she was working with literally worked themselves to death trying to keep up and trying to do this work-life balance between um, you know, taking care of patients, taking care of the family, and taking care of the office. And uh, I would find myself in there replacing fluorescent light bulbs in the patient room on Saturdays um, just so that they didn't have to worry about it or backing up their hard drive, stuff <laughs> like that. And it was such a, uh, a mess that, uh, um, uh, it, you know, it, for, it, it really highlighted what is wrong with medicine today. It's not what a lot of doctors got into medicine. They didn't get into medicine for CPT codes and EMRs and all the administrative accounts receivable stuff. They got into medicine to take care of patients. And the more that the control of medicine, the control of healthcare decisions has been centralized, the more that they need data, which means the more that the, uh, the doctors are actually serving this monster up in D.C. or up in Lansing that's uh, just not focused on taking care of the patients anymore. The bureaucratic state, it's, uh, it's, it's, get, all about it's control, out of control. not care. That was, that was actually one of the oddballs that actually read the uh, Affordable Care Act. <laughs> okay. And, uh, Join the club. <laughs> I, uh, it, it was very evident. When you read through it, there's very little discussion about care. It's all about control. Right. And, uh, and we're seeing it unravel before our eyes every day. Something gets, uh, gets um, reported about... Uh, you know how how this is is hurting Americans, not helping Americans. It's the opposite of the Affordable Care Act, and conspir- exactly. conspiracists would say that this was designed to fail, wouldn't they? Yeah, there's there's. I mean, <laughs> anytime you're going off and uh, getting away from any first party transaction, which means that I'm buying a, a service with my own money for my own use and I go to a third party where I essentially give somebody else money to buy something for somebody else to use, um, anytime you go to that third party, you don't care about quality, you don't care about cost. So the whole idea of this being labeled the Affordable Care Act, it's not affordable, it's not caring, but I think to your point about what the end game of this is, I think there's a little bit of an act involved with this. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, th- those of us who follow this who are healthcare geeks or wonks believe that uh, the end game is the single payer and and that's exactly what we're hearing from Hillary Clinton um, yeah. who tried to uh, do this in in 1993 but uh, but she uh, was thwarted uh, and uh, and so this is this is the ultimate ambition of the um, of of her and and her her supporters to get to a single payer, they believe that all is well if the government uh, takes care of everybody, and we don't have to deal with the rising costs of health care. And they think that yeah. equal equal outcomes is is uh, is possible if uh, if we get rid of the financial disincentives. Yeah. Yep, and uh, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, Dr. Dave Janda, I don't know if you're familiar with sure. him at all, but he was involved early on with that Hillary Care battle and uh, um, worked with Senator Bob Dole and actually helped defeat it. So he he's one of the guys that got me interested in what was going on, and he laid out exactly what you're talking about, which is that, that path to the single payer. And this was back in 2008 before we even had officially Obamacare. So. Um, I think the the tea leaves have been on, you know, out there for quite a while, and uh, it's just a matter 
that uh, now we get to go beyond reading them to actually going off and experiencing them, and it's not a good experience. Uh, Pat, I would like to, um, in the show today, develop a couple of uh, uh, thought, a th- couple of uh, streams of thought and ideas, things that you've done in Michigan. Um, okay. You've, you've um, uh, created um, uh, protections for doctors who are engaged in direct primary care. Um, you've uh, worked on legislation with another doctor who you didn't mention, who's one of my favorite people oh, in Michigan, Meg. and that's Meg Edison. Oh, yeah, she's awesome. And uh, you've worked with her on issues that um, are analogous to the uh, right-to-work issues that yeah. uh, are the anti-union uh, issues. Um, she, she has uh, adopted right-to-practice and, um, and worked on legislation with you regarding that. So um, those are two areas that that I, I uh, wanted to, to cover today, and and some sure. other some other issues as well. Um, let, let's start out by talking about the uh, direct primary care. We talk about that on our show. Um, quite often, it's one of the pillars of Docs for Patient Care. One of our um, one of our central um, uh, uh, ideas in, in uh, promoting healthcare freedom and and uh, putting uh, care back in the in the hands of patients. So um, the legislation that you supported is um, is very important. And we're we're coming up to a hard break in in um, less than a minute. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna just set this up, and when we get in the next segment, I'm gonna have you just start taking off. But I want you to um, to uh, describe for everyone listening um, why how you did it, why that's important, and how others in other states can adopt the same tactics, the same strategies that you were instrumental in leading in Michigan. So we'll talk about the, yeah we'll talk about that and the other other subjects when we get back into the doctors lounge on America's Web Radio. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. 
So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. My guest today is State Senator Pat Kolbeck from the uh, 7th um, Senate District in Michigan. We are talking about health care, as we always do on this show. We're talking about uh, the um, the work that uh, Senator Kolbeck has done in Michigan that has been uh, physician-friendly work and uh, and initiatives that uh, I think can be replicated in states all around the country and docs for patient care is certainly um, using um, Senator Kolbeck and his work and uh, the work of his uh, of of his uh, colleagues the doctors and and the uh, health care advocates in Michigan to show others that uh, that this can be replicated so so Pat when we uh, went on the first break um, we set it up about uh, direct primary care and your efforts at uh, protecting it in Michigan. So, so um, how did that? Um, how did you get involved in that? Well, I, I've always been a free market advocate, and I wanted to find a free market alternative to Obamacare. I'm, I'm one of those legislators that I just don't simply say no to uh, to bad legislation. I try to find out a better approach to solve the same, um, you know, same problem and. Uh, and I was watching Huckabee one night, and I saw Dr. Doug Nunemaker with Atlas MD out in Kansas, uh, another one of my heroes on direct primary care. Well, I, I decided I called all the docs that were on this show because they were talking about this direct primary care, and uh, one of them was foolish enough to return my call, and that was actually Doug's partner, uh, Josh Umber, who I'm, I know you know very well. Yes, absolutely. And uh, we got to talk, and I think it was probably an hour, hour and a half phone call with him, and uh, I'm sitting there pressing with him, well, well how, do, how the heck do you get away with this practice? And he goes, it's buried inside the Affordable Care Act. There's a loophole. And then, sure enough, I went back to my good old uh, copy of uh, H.R. 3590, known as Obamacare, and in Section 10104, <laughs> there's this loophole called uh, for direct primary home medical services. And uh, they, they have leveraged that as, a, uh, as something you can put into a qualified health plan that keeps the IRS from knocking on your door saying you don't have enough uh, health care. So it's, um, that's how I got engaged on it. When I saw that as an opening, I said, well, we've got to expand this and protect it and um, started looking around for model legislation, and uh, folks out in Utah had some model legislation on that, and we picked it up in Michigan and ran with it and got it passed. And the legislation itself is pretty simple. Um, unlike the 965 pages of, of uh, Obamacare, <laughs> All R says is that you can't treat insurance as an insurance product, and you must have um, transparency as re- in regards to the services you provide in, re- in, in return for a monthly or annual um, uh, uh, fee. So it's a very simple bill, um, but what it does is protects direct primary care practitioners from being treated as an insurance product, which means that you tie into all the insurance regulations at the state level. 
and uh, it provides a degree of stability, if you will, and decreases the risk for direct primary care practices in the state. One of the things that has been frustrating for me here in Georgia where I practice is the lack of, um, I guess, honesty on the part of some of the state legislators here in Georgia. There was an opportunity to uh, pass legislation that would protect direct primary care. I think the um, they it failed here partly because of... Um, it was it was um, tied to other free market healthcare delivery like concierge and uh, and yeah. cash practices, and that may have been the downfall. And hopefully, they will be able to uh, uh, figure out um, that it's important to separate it and split it out. But did did you get pushback from um, people who? were uh, in in your legislature who were um, influenced by insurance company money? I didn't when I was passing it through the system. I actually got it through the system pretty straight in a pretty straightforward fashion in Michigan. I've gotten pushed back since that point in time because I've tried to put that DPCS on steroids in the state. But uh, initially when we were passing it, it actually went through um, – pretty smoothly, especially compared to a lot of the other states. Now, there's about 16 states in total that have passed this legislation right now, and um, I've worked with about five or six of them to try to get this thing moving. And um, the more it picks up and the more you get critical mass across all the other states, the more the federal government's going to take notice and add some reforms at the federal level around uh, allowing DPCS to be used for programs like Medicaid or Medicare or actually being able to be um, paid for out of an HSA, which are still some issues. Is that what you mean by putting it on steroids? Uh, that's part of it, yep. But uh, part of it's just actually expanding the footprint here in Michigan. So one of the things that the Affordable Care Act did is it put 159 new organizations between a doctor and a patient. And as you know, uh, the operative word on direct primary care is direct. <laughs> and and so we essentially get to say, okay, 159 organizations, we don't care about you when it comes to a direct primary care practice. So for the primary care service delivery, um, we're just going to focus on what's best for the patient. And my goal is you expand the footprint of this. And this is, you know, primary care is about, what, 80% of the transactions you see in healthcare. And and so if you can actually set up a model of healthcare delivery where the majority of the transactions and the majority of the um, patient-doctor interactions are occurring in a framework that doesn't have to deal with a third party, whether that third party's in D.C., whether that third party's in Lansing, or whether that third party's in a boardroom at some insurance company. Um, now you start getting the true benefits of actually what we call patient care. And, um, and that leaves that, that other small remi- that remainder for what they call a wraparound coverage, which is what insurance used to be for. It's for those uh, high expense, you know, low probability items that when things go bump in the night, I call it the beer truck. <laughs> you know, you get hit by the beer truck type <laughs> incidents where you got to be in the hospital. That's what insurance is supposed to be for. And, uh, and if you take the domain of health care from uh, uh, that of health management, which is the way it's been uh, today, or, or take the domain of health insurance to away from health management, which is where it's been going, to that of uh, putting insurance back into risk management, 
you open the door not only for that primary care for the for the regular activities here, but you you marginalize the importance of insurance again, and you put it back into its box that it was always intended to be, and uh, and then if you go off and do something like repeal the Affordable Care Act, unlike what happened when we actually deployed it, where there was a lot of pain and a lot of uncertainty. You remember the, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. If you like your insurance, you can keep your insurance. Well, that's not going to be as much of an issue if we finally repeal it after we've got a firm footprint established of these direct primary care practices because they don't need to talk to D.C. anymore. And uh, if D.C. disappears, nobody will notice. So, um, um, you know, it's very interesting when we're talking about direct primary care and and try to tie it into the election and the candidates and what the future of health care might look like. They, the two candidates running have very different views about health care. Um, yeah. One of them wants to uh, control, wants the government to control every aspect of health care. The other one is talking about getting the government out of health care. But I think that the um, when you talk to people in Washington, they have a plan. They say that the plan is market-based, but still it requires a considerable amount of Washington. And I think that that uh, both you and I are, are really talking about getting Washington away from health care right. entirely and, uh, and bringing it back to the people, bringing it back to the states, and, and giving states the opportunity to uh, be creative in how they're going to take care of their population, act as laboratories for, for what uh, works best in a particular what a state. Concept. Yeah. Really. <laughs> I is... don't recall health care management in Article 1, Section 8 of the U.S. Constitution <laughs> under enumerated powers. Did... So yeah, it kind of makes sense that it should be the states managing that in the first place. Is there any um, anybody talking in, in your state about expanding um, Medicaid and uh, using direct primary care as the model for that? Funny you mention that. Yeah, we, Michigan is actually one of those states that did expand Medicaid already, and it was a very, uh, let's just say, um, it was a, a, a hard-fought battle, and I was leading the opposition to the expansion of Medicaid, and the way that I did it, as much like I, um, um, I, I always try to do, is that I provide an alternative, and it was a DPCS-based uh, alternative, and I wanted to have... I, I, the basic premise that I started with is saying, well, if you want to expand access to quality care, um, first of all, Medicaid in and of itself is not quality care. I mean, doctors get reimbursed in Michigan on the order of 47 cents on the dollar. You can't have a whole practice of Medicaid patients and keep the light on. And so uh, what happens is care gets rationed, and, and you don't get the quality care you'd like to see to have good quality outcomes, right? Right. So I said, well, instead of taking money from one group of people and giving it to another group of people and and using that to subsidize the cost of their care, why don't we just focus on lowering the cost of health care for everybody? And if we can get it down to a price point where folks that are on the lower end of the income scale can actually get access to, to that care, then we have solved the problem of giving them access to care without without robbing Peter to pay Paul. Make sense? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And so we pushed that. We got one minute forward. Pat. It was never taken seriously from 
because they already had the solution that they wanted. And this is something, whenever we're talking about, quote-unquote, government reform, and this is why I was so happy to be out in Dallas, because I saw a bunch of doctors standing up finally. <laughs> for, for, for so long, the, the doctors' voices have been on the outside of this health care reform, or they've been usurped by organizations like the AMA that uh, were not necessarily serving the best interests of doctors. Um, and I, I, uh, when I actually saw them standing up, it's very important because right now the only voices that they're hearing when it comes to the government on health care reform are the insurance companies and the hospitals. And uh, the doctors are kind of left out in the corner right now, and I think it's important for more and more doctors to stand up and get more assertive. And it's tough because I... Being the husband of a physician, I, I know where most of your time is spent. It's right. Most of your time is spent taking care of your patients, and then whenever you have extra time, it's making sure that the office is running smoothly. You bet. So but, uh, but, it's tough to sit there and say, oh, i got to do something else. i got to go be an advocate, out right. on, like you're doing it with your radio show. Right. And I'm afraid to, to – I'm, I'm sorry to say, but it is necessary. They, right. The, all legislation doesn't get passed and we're at a hard break what we're, the masses are looking for it gets passed on the basis of these lobbying groups and you gotta be assertive in the lobbying community totally agree we're at a hard break right now pat we'll be back in the doctor's lounge in just a moment perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction if not you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week for a full hour of all the best and latest information on how you can get the skills and equipment you need to protect the ones that you love. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
Welcome back to the Doctors' Lounge on America's Web Radio with my guest today, Senator Pat Kolbeck. Pat, did you hear that promo about uh, from uh, from uh, the uh, home defense? That was uh, no. that's coming from your state, from Michigan. It's covering everything <laughs> from weapons to gardening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're. Uh we got over 680,000 veterans here. They know how to handle a rifle. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully they'll, the Second Amendment will hold up and uh, they'll be able to continue to do that. <laughs> so so um, we're, we're going to um, – we, we were um, finishing our, our uh, thought about direct primary care and, and, uh, and what, what states can do to try to protect it and what you've done in, in Michigan, which is, is uh, nothing short of uh, – of monumental, um, you know, it, I think that having direct primary care um, uh, act as the the um, the the place where people on Medicaid can get their health care makes so much sense. How much does yeah. how much does um, the state of Michigan spend on every Medicaid recipient for the expansion population for a single adult? It was uh, about five thousand dollars per year. I think it's up to fifty five hundred by now. In Georgia, um, it's it's I think sixty seven hundred, and the national average is sixty six hundred. So yeah, for for a single adult. Yes. Wow. So so uh, you know, but that factors in you know the the um, the nursing home population and the um, the chronically ill. That's they they eat up a lot of the Medicaid dollar. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we break those out, and they get it. They're up a little bit higher in Michigan. I got them broken out on our different demographics. I think it's around thirteen thousand, fourteen thousand a year when you get up into the uh, senior population. Right. But so, uh, the bottom line is now, is I when, and what I put forward when we were pushing an alternative to Medicaid expansion, I said, "All right, guys, it's five thousand dollars per year that you're spending on this population. You're trying to expand it to." Let's see if we can find a free market solution that actually provides better care for less than five thousand dollars. Exactly, and, and and direct primary care fits the bill. And and the and I think that uh, the Obamacare gives states waivers. You can apply for waivers so that you can uh, create these opportunities in in your states for for Medicaid. Correct? Yeah, it's a section thirteen thirty two waiver. I think it is or thirteen twenty two. And um, I, uh, you've got to make sure that you've got a willing Department of Health and Human Services. We did not have that in the state of Michigan. As a matter of fact, one of the architects of the Affordable Care Act was actually, and one of the guys who actually helped write it was uh, in a prominent position for our Medicaid uh, department here in the state of Michigan. So um, you also have to have a governor. The single payer. You also have to have a governor that's supportive of that, right? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely is right. Um, let's let's f- switch gears because I don't want to run out of time and and miss the opportunity to talk about a couple of other things. Um, Meg Meg Edison, we've talked about her um, today. Yeah. We, we we've had her on the show a number of times. Meg is, I think, a heroine to a lot of people yeah. around the country, especially I pediatricians. Agree. <laughs> And Meg, Meg, I'm not going to tell her story. I'm going to let you tell her story. Well, Meg's been very passionate about, in particular, around maintenance of certification. And she's a pe- uh, pediatrician, just like my my wife. And 
And what they've done with this maintenance of certification requirement is essentially set up this little cottage industry um, that, uh, you know, you have to get your continual uh, upgrades and your, your uh, hours in towards certification on a regular basis. And it's, uh, you know, whether or not that's actually providing value to the patient or not has been kind of get lost in the maelstrom. And so a lot of hospitals are now using it as a means of uh, controlling physicians, if you will, by controlling their admission privileges. Um, and also, um, it's been used by insurance company to uh, regulate um, their ability to actually access or refer patients in, in, the, uh, in the network for that insurance company. And um, so a colleague of mine, Meg's been working with actually Senator Pete McGregor, um, they've got a couple of bills, Senate Bill 608 and 609, um, that are designed to go off and stop that practice and saying, um, guys, uh, especially when it comes to national or regional certifications, which is the first step on all this, um, you, get, you remember the doc fix bill, right? Oh, of course. The, uh, had some good things in it around SGRs, but it had some bad things in it, including requiring a license for um, a national license now to prescribe pharmaceuticals. And, uh, and what the concern is, and, and the legislation that Meg worked with Senator McGregor on to, to put forward, is that they're going to use these national and regional certifications to actually place more and more burdens upon physicians um, that, uh, that essentially control their behavior more and more and get away from the idea of patient care and start feeding this cottage industry of certification companies. So um, anyway, that, that legislation right now is sitting in our health policy committee in the Senate. We're in lame duck right now. I don't think that it's necessarily going to move out this term, but uh, hopefully we can get moving on it next term. So this is important for everybody to understand because it's not a, um, a doctor versus doctor squabble, but this is, this is a much bigger issue. Number, oh, yeah. number one, it is a, a shakedown. It's, it's basically, um, it's, it, I, I've tried to get, um, it's, it, it, it's, well, it, it is. In fact, it's, it's, I think that there is, it, it's a conspiracy. I think that, that, uh, this is, um, a RICO violation. You've got a, uh, an organization, which is the American Board of Medical Specialties, working in cahoots with the American Hospital Association and the America's Health Insurance Plan group to um, to restrict the um, the the practice of medicine to people who don't um, uh, who don't play by the rules of the ABMS exactly. it's control it, it is and and this is not different than what happened in your state you've gotten right to work legislation passed yep. and 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 explain to people what that means yeah. Actually, I was happy to be one of the leaders of the right-to-work fight here in Michigan. I led it in the Senate. And all it did, you know, it, it, it provided workers with a choice whether or not they wanted to be part of a union or not. And so what Meg is, is, has uh, done exceptionally well is rebranded as a right to practice. So we got a right to get uh, additional certifications if we'd like or we don't. And it's up to the doctor to go off and pursue those certifications. 
And for hospitals and insurance companies to restrict that is restraint of trade, and and they and they need to uh, answer to that if they if they uh, participate in that. Exactly. So yep. so this is this is important for everybody listening. This is not a doctor versus doctor squabble. When when people like Meg Edison or myself or or Pat Kolbeck's wife have to spend hundreds of hours and thousands of dollars to to um, give money to a, uh, a a national organization that will give their brand of approval to you, even though you've proven yourself time and time yeah. again, that that is that is um, fundamentally wrong, and it's bad for patients because it's taking their doctors away from time that they could be spending with you their patients it's also taking doctors out of the workforce because doctors are stressed about this it's right. it's really it's really causing so much angst and and problems in the physician community that doctors are actually planning their retirement around whether or not they're going to be needing to recertify or not right and and this is happening despite the fact that the AMA Supported led, um, resolutions that that um, are are anti maintenance of certification. The AMA believes that they should these these boards should not do this, but it's been buried very quietly under the table because they don't want to um, make it known that they are opposing these the. Um, organized medicine so to speak so right. but, but this is this is so wrong and this is something that i think that uh um oklahoma passed legislation already i think they're the only state in the country that has passed legislation that protects doctors from the abuses of the boards and the insurance companies and the hospitals and hopefully michigan will be second and i'm hoping that uh georgia and other states will uh be right behind them I hope so too. I mean, there's there's a common theme here, and it's about freedom. And uh, I, these guys that are pushing for more and more control are are leading us into a path where we're getting more and more expensive care and less and less doctors that are willing to go off and participate in it. I, I think we need anything that we can do to get put the patient back in charge of what quality is um, is a good thing because. I used to be, I told you about my engineering background, I used to be a big total quality management guy, and uh, one of the TQM gurus used to say that quality is defined by the customer, and we've gotten so far away from that now where we need these third-party organizations to define what quality is, that success of direct primary care is the fact that we're not having a third-party organization telling you whether or not that's good or not. You actually have a doctor relationship that's one-on-one -on -one that you have a direct agreement and relationship with. If it works for you because they're providing good services, you stay with them. If not, you don't care whether or not they're in network or not. That's not part of the consideration. You just hook up with the doctors that are going to take good care of you. And the more we promote things like direct primary care, which are getting back to that doctor-patient relationship without a third-party middleman, the better off medicine's going to be. Uh, amen to that, brother. Um, is Michigan a uh, CON state? Oh, yeah. I, 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 I said uh, that rhetorically for the audience. I know it is. Yeah. But but um, but is, is that your next battle? Yeah, that's, that's definitely in the queue. I mean, I'd like to get the MOC because that should be low-hanging fruit right now, but... Uh, CON is metastasized through the whole 
system let's, here in Michigan. Let's, the let's whole stop. healthcare system has some element of CON. Let's stop for just a second because, you know, sometimes we get new listeners in who don't listen to the show regularly. So, CON, yep. please, please elaborate. Supply side economics. It's called certificate of need. And we've got. Well, you and know so what? In order for you to open up a hospital in a certain area, you have to demonstrate that there's enough need for hospital beds. In order for you to open up an MRI clinic, you have to demonstrate that there's enough demand for MRIs. So instead of instead of you being in a fast food restaurant and opening it up wherever you want to, you actually have to get approval of where you want to go off and open up a hospital. You know what, we, we're going to, I, I want to spend the last segment talking about this and a few thoughts about, uh, about uh, next week before we, uh, we uh, sign off. So we're going to take our break right now and we'll come back in the final segment with my guest, Senator Pat uh, Kolbeck in, on America's Web Radio. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Thanks for staying with us in Doctors Lounge on America's Web Radio. Um, my guest today is Senator Pat Colbeck from Michigan, and we are talking about health care, which is one of his uh, strengths, one of the uh, areas that he's very passionate about, um, working with doctors in Michigan and working with people around the country who are interested in uh, preserving freedom and and sharing the things that uh, he's done and what's worked in Michigan. So, Pat, we, we um, broke talking about certificate of need and, and uh, Michigan being one of the 35 states that uh, still has certificate of need laws. Yeah. So... Well. Put it in practical terms, certificate of needs one of the contributors to, to rising health care costs. So anytime you control the supply of any resource or limited resource, what happens? You're, the demand, as the demand increases for it, the price is going to go up. And in Michigan, for example, if you want to order an MRI, it's around north of $1,500. If you go down the border, across the border into Ohio, where they don't have certificate of need, it's $250. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that, I think that, I think that kind of puts it down to brass tacks. Exactly, exactly, and I think that what's even worse is that um, direct primary care is is a tremendous concept, and we spent a good part of the show talking about it. If you couple that with 
facilities that can provide health care at a cheaper rate than yep. the hospitals can, then you're really talking. Like our good friend out at in Oklahoma, Dr. Smith, with he, the Surgery Center Oklahoma. And he'll be my guest in two weeks in, uh, on this show, so I hope everybody will tune Excellent. in then. But um, that's that's what I'd like to see happen in Michigan and in Georgia and in every state around the country. Amen. I, and I, that's why we're going around Michigan right now. We're doing a series of what we call healthcare town halls. I'm in full market or free market evangelism mode across the state, and a lot of the problems we have getting some of this legislation uh, passed is that people don't know what certificate of need is, right? Yes, they don't. So, they, they don't know what they don't know, so we're going off there, and, and they, a lot of the people that are resigned to Obamacare controlling their lives, we're saying, no, guys, there's another way, and we're highlighting solutions like direct primary care. We're highlighting self-funded insurance programs. We're highlighting um, Christian uh, health care ministries mm-hmm. that are out there, and we're highlighting that there are alternatives, and you don't have to settle for what Obamacare is offering. There are there are big free market loopholes in the Affordable Care Act, and we want to drive a Mack truck through them. What are the impediments in, in Michigan in, um, in getting rid of the certificate of need laws, beside the fact that the hospitals are, are powerful now and have lots of money? Well, lobbying organizations like the hospitals are, are very important in regards to blocking this. They provide a lot of... Uh, financial contributions to some of the key decision makers in the legislative process and uh, that is a big hurdle to go on but the way to get around that is by doing what we're doing it's going out to the people educating them on it and why it's such a uh, a big deal but there's also a, a, a more uh, practical uh, reason why it's difficult here in the state of Michigan because it is so complex I actually put an amendment on a bill I don't even remember what the legislation was a, a few years back to um, repeal CON in the state of Michigan. It was just a, it was intended as a simple amendment saying no longer can you use CON, but it turned into a 60-plus page amendment that nobody could understand because CON has metastasized into everything in the state, from schedule of fees around Medicaid to our no-fault insurance that we have in the state of Michigan, which is unique to a lot of, from a lot of other states. And it's a uh, it's it really, when I say it's metastasized, it's gotten into the liver, it's gotten into the heart, it's gotten into the lungs, across the whole system of healthcare in the state of Michigan. So it is not a simple uh, two-page uh, bill to say repeal CON in the state of Michigan. So in in Michigan, is is Michigan um, uh, consistent with the rest of the country um, regarding businesses that self-insure? We've we've heard. Um, nationally, forty-five to sixty percent of businesses self-insure. Is that true yep. in Michigan? Yeah, it is. It's consistent across the board on it. And um, the regulations in the Affordable Care Act. One of the things that it did is set up uh, that the self-insurance plans are actually um, governed by ERISA, um, which is federal legislation. So, in the Affordable Care Act, it says state regulations can't supersede the federal regulations on this. So it simplifies self-insurance from the point that it's only the feds you have to worry about. You don't have to worry about something unique in every state. Is it possible to get businesses to um, to be your allies in, in uh, repealing CON and uh, doing other free market uh, um, uh, initiatives? 
That's why we're doing these town halls. These town halls, I kind of brand them as eHarmony.com for employers and physicians interested in free market solutions. And so they, the goal is to get these employers engaged. And they're seeing their, right now is the time to do it. They're seeing their premiums skyrocket. And, um, and they're getting less for that money. And so um, we're trying to reach out to them and let them know that there are other options. And uh, good enough is not good enough. There's a lot of people that are kind of giving up on the system. We want to tell them, no, guys, there's, there's ways to actually go off and, and uh, not just beat the system, but actually get better care for less money for your employees. Have you worked with the uh, Job Creators Network in, in uh, trying to uh, uh, get get uh, a, a coalition together to try to uh, get these reforms uh, supported? No, but I will after we get out. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we, uh, we work with them. We're friends with them. In fact, Alfredo Ortiz, who is the executive director of the Job Creators Network, which um, is uh, a, a tremendous uh, initiative that was supported by uh, Bernie Marcus, the founder of Home Depot, um, the, uh, Alfredo will be uh, an upcoming guest, I think, on my show in December, and we're co-authoring a piece on direct primary care here in Georgia. Uh, so uh, I think that, that business is actually um, a tremendous uh, ally that we need to uh, work with and count on because uh, I think we're all in the same boat when it comes to health care. Exactly. Well, when I was pushing my uh, DPCS-based Medicaid pile in this last budget cycle, and I was, we were blocked by the managed care organizations and the uh, hospitals, um, I got really frustrated w- pushing this through a government thread, and I said, let's take it to the private sector because they get it. They're the ones that are looking for lower costs and better care. You bet. And um, that's why we started these town halls. By the way, if any of your listeners want to follow what we're doing in Michigan, they can go to morninginmichigan.com. They can see uh, videos from all of our town halls there, um, and uh, they can also see some of the solutions we've got posted out there. They can and also you can go to your Twitter at, at PJ Colbeck. That's so, right. Uh, they can also go to your they, website. Go, give your website yep. address, please, Pat. Yeah, the website address is this morninginmichigan.com. Um, I, uh, I try to say it that way so they... Uh, a lot of people, when they hear Senator Colbeck, they think Stephen Colbert, and uh, <laughs> go to the wrong website. So I uh, just make it easy and go to morninginmichigan.com, just like uh, Ronald Reagan used to do, Morning in America. Right, and and also Bill Bennett. <laughs> yeah, his exactly. radio show. That's exactly right. So we're, we're we don't have much time left on the show, and and this is the um, last show of. Uh, of before our uh, decision day on on Tuesday, so yeah. so tell me tell me we we focus on healthcare on this show and uh, as as tempted as we are to talk about other issues, let's let's focus on healthcare and and uh, closing thoughts on on what it means to. Um, uh, to the the state of Michigan and to the country, um, if 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 one person if Hillary Clinton wins versus Donald Trump, well, I think the path is pretty clear. If Hillary Clinton wins, we're going to have a health care system that features more top down control. If uh, Donald Trump wins, he's already made the commitment and is really emphasizing it on the campaign trail of late to repeal and replace. Now, I'm a little nervous about what the replace is personally. 
But I, but the repeal part, um, you know, if it can be affected in the Congress here, is appealing. Um, um, but uh, uh, you know, that's kind of our choice right now. It's one is uh, more of the same and doubling down, frankly, on the system that we're on the path to implementing, and the other is at least giving us a ray of hope to say, hey guys, um, let's look at some other alternatives. Binary choice, as I like to say. Yeah, very much so. And uh, so it's pretty clear. Uh, this is a big, big election. Um, I, every, every year they say this is, a, this is the most important election ever, but I, I, this one really is. And um, I'm, I'm out there making sure that we can, uh, obviously I'm a Republican, so I didn't, I, I'm, I'm going to support the Republican nominee on this. And, and even if you don't like the guy at the top of the ticket, remember that that person puts 5,000 people into federal offices, in, and uh, including Supreme Court justices that will be ruling on things like Obamacare. And I think his first choice has been an exceptional choice in Governor Mike Pence. So um, uh, anyway, I, I hope people consider uh, lending their support to uh, Donald Trump. And, uh, and let's see what we can do to kind of get our health care back on the right track and, and embrace this concept called freedom again. <laughs> Well, that's what we're all about on this show. We talk about healthcare freedom, and uh, and any anyone who embraces that and supports it is somebody that we want to uh, partner with. Pat, I appreciate the opportunity to to share uh, been going on in Michigan, and I, I hope it's given some courage or encouragement to the folks that are following similar battles in the other states as well, including uh, your home home state of georgia well pat it's been a pleasure having you on the show today and i want to encourage everyone in in states all around the country that if you are interested in uh in in doing battle in the areas that we talked about direct primary care um certificate of need maintenance certification go to morning in michigan look at see what uh senator colbeck is doing and uh and look at what the docs for patient care foundation is doing and until next time um we thank you for joining us in the doctor's lounge on america's web radio you're listening to America's Webradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.